everybody and welcome to Headlights, the Daimler podcast that's all about who we are and what we do at Daimler. The jobs we have, but especially the interesting people who work here. So what we did is we divided the entire world into a grid of 57 trillion squares. Each square is three meters by three meters, and each square has been labeled with a unique address made of three words from the dictionary. This is Claire Jones. She's the Chief Operating Officer of What Three Words, and we talk with her about her job as a COO, leadership, the development of her career, and of course about some pretty personal stuff as well. But first of all, we'll start the interview again with 3x30, a little game we play with all our interview partners. I ask Claire three questions, and she has the maximum time of 30 seconds to answer each. Claire, what's special about your job? What, or what drives you to do this? Um, I think, number one, it's the fact that this is something that really could be world-changing in lots of ways. And that's a really powerful mission to be part of. I think, number two, I get to travel the world and meet incredible people all the time. And, and I think number three, the thing that's special is the people I get to do it with. They're some of my favorite people in the world. Is there anything you would like to change about it? I'd like more time in the week, actually. I'd love more time to be able to do more of this because there is never enough time to speak to all the people who want to use What Three Words, to work with all the businesses that want to use it, to work with all the governments. You know, there's a, a few extra days, maybe nine days in a week would be uh, helpful. Can you still remember what you wanted to become when you were six? <laughs> Actually, yes. I, uh, I wanted to be an archaeologist. <laughs> I like discovering things. Um, and for a really long time, I, was, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I wanted to um, go and discover stuff and dig it up and learn about the past. And um, yeah, I was pretty curious. Well, this was a great teaser. We should jump right into our conversation. So, Claire, finally, having a little drive through the city of Stockholm. Yeah. I wish it would be a little more sunny, but at least uh, it's not raining. And it's still a beautiful city. Even it is a even gorgeous, gorgeous city. Yeah. Is it your first time in Stockholm? No, I've been before, but it's a, it's a really special city. I like the vibes in Stockholm. It's totally. really relaxed. It's really it almost lovely. feels a little bit Mediterranean yes. or something. Like. Yeah, 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 it does. It's really, and just having dinner um, a few nights ago out looking over the water, it's very restful. Yeah, yeah. But let's talk a little bit more about you and what three words. You know what, actually, could you maybe explain to our listeners what a CCO and what three words is doing? Yes, so all kinds of things, having adventures, um, so I, uh, so CCO in our case means Chief Commercial Officer, um, which is uh, means I'm pretty lucky because I get to work with our biggest clients, which is really exciting. So I get to work with companies like Daimler, like Mercedes, and um, sometimes it's it's companies, sometimes it's governments, sometimes it's organisations like the United Nations. So I feel pretty lucky that I get to have that experience of travelling the world and meeting with people, organisations, governments who are using what three words to. I know, improve lives in different ways. So sometimes that's making sure your pizza is hot when it arrives. Yeah. Sometimes it's making sure you can drive to the right place and you don't get lost. And sometimes it's using what three words somewhere in a disaster zone to deliver critical services after an earthquake, for example. So it's a real range and no day is ever the same. <laughs> I mean, I think if you'd have told me one day I'd have a job where on one, one phone call I'd be you know, on the phone to a navigation engineer from Mercedes. And then the next phone call I'd be on the phone with someone who's using what three words at a music festival yeah. um, to help you find gin and tonic. Um, I think That been and then the next phone call in the afternoon might be with um, you know, a, an organization using what three words in Uganda to help um, you know, address homes that don't have addresses. I think it's, uh, it's incredible and it's a real adventure. I mean, following you on social media and actually now listening to you again, um, I feel kind of dumb to ask the next question because 
it was more like how does your typical day look like there <laughs> is no typical day <laughs> there's no Welcome typical to day world. yeah it's exactly and uh, there is no typical day it's usually a plane in it yeah <laughs> every every couple of days at least there's a plane um so which is a good thing and a bad thing it's a good thing because i get to read mm -hmm. so i can read on planes which i enjoy <laughs> um it's, uh, it's somewhat exhausting as well but it's uh, yeah so one day i don't know say you might go to an airport early in the morning and then fly to a new city where you get to meet people and it might be maybe you go for a client meeting usually you go for more than one it's very rare that one city would only have one person who wants to hear about what three words and so it might start and yeah start with a travel traveling on a plane usually have some meetings um often what we'll find is there are there are so many people to see that you end up with a breakfast lunch and dinner meetings <laughs> which is exciting and then yeah I mean a lot of it will also be being in touch with the team around the world can you tell us a little bit about your personal career um, what have you done before what three words so bit of a mix yeah, yeah. there's no um, mine's a kind of funny one there's no like clear line but immediately before what three words I was actually involved in impact investment so uh, this is this is the world where investors are looking for a financial return but also a kind of social and or environmental return on their capital and so that was a fascinating job it means I'm I mean I got to meet the most amazing people all the time who were building incredible businesses there might be a you know a, a superfood business that was creating employment for women in sub-saharan Africa or it might be an electric bike company or you know doing deliveries on electric bikes or you know so many different things that that people were doing so that was an incredibly exciting experience and I think also I learned a lot there from entrepreneurs yeah. about how they ran their businesses how they grew them how they would think about them how they would pitch them and so I learned a huge amount from that which um which I guess has come in handy in some ways in this this new job which has been you know I've, I've been able to apply lots of the things I've seen other people do well and I try and learn from that for this job as well well Claire as a As a female COO in a quite tech-dominated industry, what's the main challenges that you're facing over there? Is there anything different for you? Is, um, do you have a different approach? Are they approaching you in a different way? I think uh, it is... I mean, you do notice when you're the only woman in a room, for yeah. example, if you're in a room with a lot of people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you notice when on a, in a, at a conference, maybe, you know, you feel glad when there's another woman on a panel with you. Yeah. Um, it's very rare to have lots of women on a panel. Actually, on Tuesday, I was at a She's Mercedes event, and it was actually really touching to me to be on a panel talking about... Uh, the future of mobility and cars and with Britta Ziga and with women and just, yeah. just a panel of women and actually um, felt quite touching because it's quite unusual and so I think the thing the thing that you feel is that sometimes you're in a minority in these rooms yeah. um, so you also feel quite responsible because of that so I've had the kind of incredible uh, privilege of being mentored by amazing women and amazing men and they've helped me And they still help me hugely in my career and in my life. And so I feel really lucky to have had that. And I think you also feel the responsibility of what that means, being one of the only women on the stage or one of the only women on, in a room, and what that means and how you can help other women. So I, uh, I feel very touched when other women ask me for advice. I often can't give it because I know very little and they might know more, much more than me, um, even if they've done something you know, totally different. But. I, uh, I very much enjoy having those conversations with younger women who want yeah. to get into tech, who want to work in cars, who think maybe this isn't for me. Because when you don't see people like you reflected, whether that's, um, you know, women is a good example of that, but there are lots of other examples of that. If you don't see people like you, sometimes you think, well, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe these are not my people. And I love seeing more and more women get involved. And, and I hope in the future I can help in, a, in the ways that a lot of people have helped me. Is the job that you have right now at What's Your Words something 
you always wanted to do? Is this a little <laughs> bit of your dream job? Or I mean, you, you've already told us about your career before you joined them. It I don't. Developed. Yeah, I don't. The thing is, it's not because I had no idea we'd have a job like this. I didn't even know this would this was possible to have a job. Yeah. And firstly, to have a job I would enjoy as much as this. But I also have this funny feeling that so many of the things I did before led me to this, and I feel that so many of the experiences, both in life and, and work, have been really, really valuable in this. So, you know, I've worked, I used to work a lot with NGOs. I'm still quite involved with a particular NGO that works with women in London. And that world has really crossed over with the world of What's Three Words, because What's Three Words does a lot of work with NGOs. Mm. And I've loved that something I used to do in my past life has crossed over. And then, you know, I studied English literature. And I love words and I love books and I love reading and I get to work in a job. And then actually I, I ended up studying in the geography department for my master's degree. And you have this amazing thing where <laughs> words and geography didn't make much sense together. And then suddenly you're in a, in a job where you get to use both of those things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a funny journey, which I would never have predicted, but ended up in a, in a place that feels really, really right. That's really interesting. Um, I, I'm constantly wondering when I interview people um, about their jobs and what kind of position they have right now, um, if they could have ever imagined to to do exactly what they're doing right now. I mean, and actually, you you just can't learn it. You can't study becoming the CEO of a startup that is about to revolutionize navigation. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think. I think. But I learn every day. Every day, I learn stuff from my colleagues, from uh, from the people on our board, from our investors, from our customers. Every every day, I've not. I mean, I feel like I've not learned this much in my whole life as I have in the last few years, mm. and I feel like I'm still going to have so much more mm. to learn as we go through the next bit of our journey. Well, talking about jobs, job profiles. I saw it on your website, you're actually hiring right now. Yes, um, Not only on your website, but you're also <laughs> running it on social. I'm stalking you guys everywhere, <laughs> definitely. Um, could you maybe tell us um, about the personalities and what kind of people you're looking for? I think we want people who want to do big things. So we're trying to do something which is really quite a big idea. and. Look, we're excited that we get to do it with uh, incredible companies like Daimler. Uh, but we want people who are comfortable with doing something really big. And they have to be dedicated and passionate and committed to what we're trying to do. They have to really believe in this future where three-word addresses are used in everyday life by people. And so that's, that's a really, really critical part of it. Uh, people who believe in the, the power of what three words, who believe in this future where it's, it's used. And then also energy. Energy matters. Um, you know, sometimes it takes a lot to do something this new. Mm -hmm. And it, it means, you know, sometimes there'll be, uh, it'll take a lot, not even necessarily just a lot of work, but also an emotional investment because you really care about it. You know, mm -hmm. everyone in, that, in our company, we really care about what we're doing. And that takes a lot of emotional energy in a really positive way. And it means we love our jobs, we love being around each other. You know, we might spend a really long day working together and then go to the pub because we really like being around each other. But it takes a lot. So that's that kind of dedication, that passion, that commitment. And I think the desire to, to maybe just do things a little bit differently. So it's still actually looking for people with even entrepreneurial spirit because oh, so they're working at a startup yeah, yeah. and that's so not a nine to five yeah. job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, sometimes it might be a 12 till eight job instead of a nine to five job. Maybe yeah. you have to go and get your children from school or yeah. watch your sister in a concert or, you know, there's lots of things that you can do uh, that mean it's not just nine to five. Absolutely. But also I think 
one of the things I love about about what three words is is getting to meet people who've done fascinating things and so it's not that our you know when we hire people of course sometimes we want very experienced people but we're also looking for that thing that makes people different and you know so for one of my colleagues cycled around the world that's one of the things he did and that may not seem directly relevant to his job but he now with what three words goes around the world and meets people and talks to them and he he can communicate with people from all kinds of different cultures he's incredibly good with people he's had wonderful experiences and I love that I love that it's a lot of this is not just about who you've been at work it's about who you've been in your life. How important is it to kind of have a mission or a purpose? I mean, when I look at, I wouldn't even say millennials, right? Let's say people that are around 25 to 35 or something. Um, it seems to me that the perspective on life changed radically uh, over the last 10 years or so. So it's not only about the money anymore. I mean, especially when you look at the Silicon Valley, all these tech companies are paying very well. So they really don't care if it's 10 or 20% more or less. Um, it's sometimes also about the amenities, what kind of services and special plans they're adding towards their contract. But what about the purpose of a company? So that they have the feeling to be on a mission. You know, especially when you're doing something new, that no one's done before. There's also, there's, you know, particularly when you start, there's a possibility it doesn't work. And one of the really powerful things I think about, about What Three Words is that it's already used today and has been you know, for a few years now in making uh, life better for people in different ways. So whether that's in disaster recovery, you know, it was used, I love Mexico. Mexico is one of my favorite countries in the world. And the Mexican government, uh, there was an earthquake last year and the uh, rescue teams were using three word addresses to communicate, to make sure that they could rescue people. So that's incredibly powerful um, for me personally. Uh, but it's used by NGOs. It's used to help um, address people who don't have an address because if you don't have an address, you might not be able to call an ambulance and tell them where you live. You might not be able to tell a midwife where to visit you at home after you've had a baby. You might not be able to vote. You might not be able to register your business. And so, uh, you know, seeing NGOs use our tech, and honestly, this is them. They're doing the work. They're just taking the tech and they're doing incredible things with it. That's really, really powerful. And mm -hmm. I think when you speak to our teams, that really comes through, that we really... It's, it's something that's, that underpins a lot of what we do. And look, I'm also very excited. I actually love the fact that What Three Words is used to deliver pizzas and pick people up and get them to the right place. And I mean, earlier, just before we spoke, I managed to sit in an EQ with What Three Words inside. And that, for me personally, was an incredibly exciting experience. Uh, so you have different kinds of missions, but either way, I think you have to really believe in what you're doing if you're going to be able to do something like this, you know, where, where uh, it's a bit unusual and it does take a lot. It takes a lot of work. Well, what three was got established and founded back in 2013. Yes. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. And you became quite popular very quickly. I mean, the idea was completely new. And look, at, there's this new um, startup that's taking on the, the big blue chips of the Silicon Valley right now, basically. So what was crucial for this success? Was it, uh, well, first of all, the idea but how important is it to have the right people executing so this? I think what Three Words is, is a lot of it is in the elegance of the idea. Absolutely. And, you know, Chris, who, who, who first thought of it and he built this with, with uh, his co-founders, Jack and Mohan, I think they did build something really elegant. Mm. And that is a big part of it. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those ideas that often people will say, why didn't someone think of this before? And that's, that's really yeah. beautiful. So that's definitely part of it. But... And yes, people has been such an important part of it. Yeah. But there's also another thing, which is the partners. Because we're trying to do this, and we're really trying to change global behavior. And so you can't do that on your own. 
You just you, we couldn't do that on our own. And the fact that uh, we've got partners, and then whether that's you know Mercedes, whether that's the the United Nations who use us, whether that's um, Domino's Pizza or Pizza Hut or Cabify, these are partners who come with us on the journey and they help us really build that future. They're not just saying we want to sit back and wait and hope it works, but you know not be involved. They say we love it. We're going to help you build it. We think the world would be better if people use three-word addresses. Let's help you build it. Well, talking about teams, um, if I would interview someone from your team, what do you think would they tell me about your management style? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> talking about tough questions. Yeah, that is a tough one. Um, I don't know. I think um, they would probably say, I like to do things quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I speak quickly. <laughs> I, uh, I like to do things quickly. Um, I hope that um, they would know, I hope that they would feel that, well, certainly how a lot of us on, our, you know, in the management team feel that we've, we've hired people who in so many ways are so much better than us at different things. So it, it, does, it means that you can, you know, you, people are able to run with things. They feel trusted. They're able to grab that responsibility and take it. And, and I feel incredibly proud when I get to, I mean, I work with these brilliant people and then I get to watch them do things a thousand times better than I would have done. And I love that. That's really, really powerful to see. Imagine you could choose your very own what three words address. <laughs> what would it be? Well, I think one place I would like to go, um, there is a completely beautiful waterfall in Mexico and it's at Pictured Pheasants Handball. And I love this because it is in the middle of nowhere. It is um, somewhere I went just once and I just kind of fell in love with the space because it's this beautiful waterfall that you can dive from into this pool and you can't see anyone else or anything else. You can just see rocks and trees and mm cacti mm. and it's this kind of secluded spot and I love yeah that's that for me is a really special place and I think you know that's, that's one of one of the three word addresses that's actually really powerful to me the pictured pheasant's handball that's literally the the spot you would stand if you were jumping off this waterfall um, and for me that's one of my absolute favorite places I've ever been in the world I'm not even sure if I should ask you about work-life balance <laughs> uh, because it, it, it doesn't sound to me that you actually have a job. You have a life. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's really hard for me to differentiate in a lot of ways because so much of my life is, is work. But that's mm. a good thing. It's an exciting thing. But also, mm. I mean, take this week. Mm-hmm. So I've been in uh, London, uh, Stockholm and Berlin this week. Mm. And I've got to have uh, dinner with my colleagues, who mm. I love learning about and chatting to. I've got to have dinner um, in, uh, on Tuesday with 100 women from all kinds of different industries as part of this She's Mercedes event. Um, today, I got to meet a load of people in Stockholm. I now get to drive around. I'm driving in an S-Class exploring Stockholm. And it's really hard to explain how much of that's work and how much of that's life. It's, it's kind of both. It's just happening. It's just Do you happening. ever go on a vacation? Yes. Uh, yes, and it's. I think it's really important that you have time to switch off, yeah. particularly when uh, your job can be intense like this. It can take a lot of energy, and we try and make sure all of us, you know, we we look out for each other, and we try and make sure. And you know, Chris is encouraging me often to take take holidays and to relax. Um, yeah, so I mean, this year uh, I went to Japan for the f- actually for work for the first time, and then also for fun. So I took a week and I went from Kyoto, uh, went a few days in Kyoto and a few days in Tokyo. I mean, I'm still using what three words? <laughs> so I'm using what three words to find my round and taking beautiful pictures of all the vegetarian food I can find yeah, and yeah, tagging yeah, it with yeah. a three-word address. So what three words is certainly in my life too. But yeah, and I mean, actually this weekend I'm going off the grid. So this weekend when I go back to the UK, so I'm flying back to the UK tonight, and then I'm going with this um, company called Canopy and Stars who have 
uh, the most beautiful cabins, tree houses, eco pods in the middle in, of in nowhere. the middle of nowhere. Yes. So the one we're going to, it has no electricity. It has solar-powered lights, but nothing you can plug into. Won't be able to. There's no Wi-Fi and there's no mobile phone signal. So I'm going to be in an eco pod for two days and uh, in the middle of nowhere, just relaxing and switching off. So yeah, that's really important too. And and also, it also just allows you to take a bit of a step back and to think and recover. That'll be a huge challenge for me. Yeah. To completely be disconnected. Yeah. I can't even remember when I did this for the last yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's a challenge for me too. Oh my God. Yeah, well, you, that's why you force yourself by going somewhere that there's no way to plug in your phone. <laughs> exactly. I think that's the only way to <laughs> yeah. deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, the cabin that you're going to is also on what three words? Yes, everything. Everything. Do you on remember the words. address? Um, I haven't, but I've asked the host to give it to me, so she thinks she's going to send it to me today, and then oh, I should fantastic. have it, so I can I can find my way there. Um, which, I mean, last year I stayed in a treehouse in Portugal. See, another holiday. Treehouse in Portugal. And I remember the uh, description of how to get there was hilarious, but it, had, it involved um, drive for 20 kilometers along a motorway. You'll see a small wooden sign. Um, <laughs> I did not see the small wooden sign. We actually drove up and down this road about three times, and it was a small wooden sign. It was tiny, and um, eventually we did find it, but um, yeah, that was, that was just part of the directions. And so it does make me laugh when I go to places that maybe haven't quite heard of what three words yet, and I think, well, oh, one day <laughs> you guys are going to be using this and no one's going to have to look for tiny wooden signs on the side of the road. What I think is fascinating that over the last decades, even this changed a lot. I mean, it was just, when I was a kid, it was just like super easy to get somewhere, whether you were taking a look on the map, on, like on a wheel printed map, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And you found a way to get there. You could even remember phone numbers. I know. These yeah. times. And, yeah. and right now it feels like we are outsourcing so much into the cloud, right? that uh, we almost can't get around without our little helpers and little gadgets anymore. And then it's kind of revealing when you're putting yourself into the situation again. Can you actually remember one situation where you really thought, oh my God, I wish we would have what three words here? <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, certainly yeah, that, that one in Portugal was definitely one of those. But also, um, you know, when even even um, so early on when I only just started at What Three Words and I think some of my friends weren't quite uh, sure about what I was doing uh, I was meeting a group of, of women who I go for dinner with they actually, actually know them because we used to read books together and talk about them and um, I was meeting them for dinner in Chinatown in uh, London and they were whatsapping so we whatsapp that's how we all talk to each other and we'd whatsapped and we'd agreed to meet at a Chinese restaurant and uh, they all, uh, I was a bit late because I'm often late <laughs> when I'm coming from a meeting. Uh, they all expect me a little bit later than everyone else sometimes. But I was a little bit late and I was really enjoying watching the WhatsApp conversation because it turned out there were two places in Chinatown with exactly the same name, two restaurants with exactly the same name. And they were basically describing, and this whole message chain was like, oh, well, I can see the arches and I've seen some golden arches. What can you see? And they'd go, well, I can't see the arches, but I can see there's a bin opposite and like this one's near another restaurant, and but I can't read the name because it's in Chinese. And it was just this amazing string of, of messages and eventually um, I think I said guys um, why doesn't one of you just send this three word address and then suddenly they're like oh yeah of course and uh, yeah so those ones always make me laugh because there are so many moments just in everyday life where you think ah three word address would be helpful there whether that's going to a stadium and trying to find the right entrance or going to a wedding in the middle of nowhere or you know going to a, to a music gig. We're also using um, what's three words to get 
the address for your hotel over here in Stockholm? Yeah, so actually, we, um, we this has been really great. It's been one of the things I've loved seeing is that hotel hotels all around the world are now adding three-word addresses on their websites and in their guides to the hotels. So the Small Luxury Hotels Guide is this beautiful book telling you about these kind of really unique experiences yeah, you can have. Yeah. And then actually recently, the Kempinski Hotels. Um, I actually stayed in the Kempinski Hotel when I actually went to visit... I think it was Daimler in China. I went to see Daimler China and I stayed in a Kapitsky hotel, um, which was a lovely hotel. And then recently, um, I remember my colleague emailing and saying, oh, by the way, they've added three-word addresses to their website. So you can go to a Kempinski hotel and look on the location page where they tell you, mm. and they've just got their three-word address just sitting there. Mm. And that's, that's really, really cool to see. Again, again, these kind of amazing things that you think, yeah, this is just... This is becoming normal. Which is obviously also quite motivating, huh? Oh, it's so motivating. Yeah. Although I don't find motivation hard in this job. <laughs> I think we're so lucky that we get to... We've got this elegant idea. We've got an incredible team of people. We've got this big mission. Um, and it's an adventure. And so I think, yeah, motivation seems to come naturally. But it's certainly from each other, from those those moments like that. Um, you know, and also there are some fun things too. You know, it's uh, I, I, we loved... Someone recently launched a beer called Fear Movie Lions. And that's because that is the square where the beer was brewed. And so you can buy this beer, Fear Movie Lions, and it, it, you know that that's where the beer was brewed, and you drink it, and you've got the three-word address on the beer, and that, that's pretty cool. This is what I love about your idea in general, that there are so many ideas and services that you can create around this infrastructure and ecosystem that are so unique, sometimes really funny, sometimes so smart. You could never ever imagine anything like this with an ordinary address system, right? Yeah, it is. And like, certainly, I mean, you know, I love, I actually love the, the beauty of, of that, of sitting in a Mercedes, for example. And so say here in Stockholm, we'd sit in a, you know, I was in the EQ and I can say, hey Mercedes, navigate to what three words, elephant cloud powder is a parking space where I can look at the water in Stockholm and like <laughs> there's this kind of it's a little bit incongruous but it's kind of beautiful yeah yeah and it's just I think whenever you can see what your work does and uh, where you're investing all your lifetime into and you can see the outcome and especially if you can see that people are really enjoying using it. Oh, yeah. And also building a, with it. That's what I love. So, um, Do you I have mean, some more examples? Yeah, so that, I mean, the, the building with it thing is an example I love. So, and, and actually Daimler is my perfect example of this because what really happened was, sure, we explained the idea, we explained the tech, uh, but the navigation team, they, they, were the, they made this happen. They made this happen. They said, this makes sense. This means an, a, properly, a, a proper improvement mm -hmm. in our voice, uh, voice system for addresses. It means we can actually say to our customers, we'll get you to the right place. You just say three simple words into your car. It will understand you. It will correct you if made a mistake. So suddenly you have this seamless experience of voice, which was so critical. It was exactly mm -hmm. what MUX was all about, mm -hmm. is this wonderful experience of voice, which is not everyone's experience of voice normally. You, know, you talk to people a year and a half ago and they would say, Voice is frustrating. Sure, I've got voice on my phone, I don't use it. Or, sure, I've got voice in my car, but I don't use it because I try four times and it fails, so I go back to my yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly, you, as at exactly at the time that your, your teams were thinking really carefully about voice and what does it mean to have a seamless experience of voice in the car and a really um, human-friendly experience where I haven't got to say the exactly the right thing in the right order and sound a bit like a robot, I can speak to my car like a person. Mm -hmm. At that time, we met the engineers and they were saying, we really want this 
addressing thing to work. We want addresses to work for voice. And it happened we were able to say, well, turns out we designed something with voice in mind. It was this kind of perfect melding. But they took it and they said, you know, I love talking to um, Nihat and Dennis and the team who took this and put it into the car because they did that. They're the ones who, um, you know, who felt that passion and joy and they, they brought it into the car and they helped us navigate. And then we worked with the team in the corporation and innovation department and through the startup autobahn accelerator. And always these people have kind of fallen in love a little bit with what three words with the idea. Yeah. And they felt passionate about coming on that journey with us or bringing us in that journey you know they this was really not driven by me this was driven by them and people who believed in it and were excited by it and wanted to bring it to the car and that I mean this is the thing I always say is astounding to me is how fast it happened and that did not happen because of us that happened because people internally were like this makes sense this is software we can do it fast why would we not why not? Like, this is no longer a world where it takes five years to get soft, you know, an update into a car because of yeah. the production cycles. This is a world where you go, we like it, let's put it in a car. And not in three years, let's put it in a car. The next car that comes out, let's put it in there. It's pretty exciting. No, I agree. Even though I think it always takes two to tango. So um, <laughs> no, I think like, it's very flattering to, what yeah. you're telling about <laughs> and our engineers. But you guys definitely had a huge impact on this. And I have to, actually have to tell you, when I knew that you guys would join uh, for the MBUX platform, and I was a huge critic on the previous versions, um, not MBUX, right? Because navigation systems for me in cars seem to be so boring, an infotainment system. Um, actually, it was because all the other cars also had boring infotainment systems, right? And out of a sudden, after I'm, I'm been in the tech industry for almost 20 years, all of a sudden, mm. I see this and can play around with MBUX, a, a very early beta um, way, year over before we launched it and I thought oh thank god this yeah. looks great yeah. it feels yeah. good yeah. it's logical the structure is good it's um, intuitive which it's is intuitive. very very yeah, important yeah, yeah. also for safety reasons in a car yeah. right because yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, technology becomes sometimes so complicated right now we have these phones in our pocket when I got my first computer as a kid or when I was 12 years old I think they were like it came with three or four books, right? Yeah. And it had less. Yeah. It has less performance, probably than the microwave in these days, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Therefore, I think it's quite interesting to see what it does, what you guys integrated uh, with what three words. I wouldn't even say it's the icing. It's a pillar for for MBUX, and it's a very very important one. It just, for me, it makes it feel whole. You know, it is just perfect. It's something unique, and I'm just so proud that you guys joined this team. Thank you. No, we're we're uh, we're pretty proud of what's happened too. It's been uh, oh, it's been such a journey, and I and I'm with you. I mean, I think I'm a total voice addict. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I whenever possible, I'm sitting in you know sitting on a train, and if there's no one else in the carriage, I'll dictate into <laughs> yeah, my phone yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's so much faster. It's, yeah. When it works, it's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. But when it doesn't work, it can be so frustrating. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah, that's what I love. I mean, I'm I'm at home. I'm always using voice my voice assistants to do music to give me recipes to send me reminders yeah. and the idea of being able to use voice properly in a car is a relief it's actually a relief it's really exciting it's also a relief and in general I think this is a perfect spot where you can use voice I probably won't do this on a flight or no, in a yeah. train right or at some public <laughs> spaces 
um, I think it's always so weird when people are wearing headsets and that, then I never know if they're talking to me or if they're <laughs> yeah. talking to themselves or some kind of weird but I love to use do you use voice assistants at, uh, yes. assistants at home? all the time yeah. all the time I am um, yeah yeah it's, it's, I have a I, Google Home like in every room yeah see I've got, I've got an Alexa in one room and a Google Home in the other <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm also very interested in which ones prefer which type of voice and it's all yeah, but yeah, yeah no I'm a, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a total voice convert I think yeah. once once you once you use good voice tech you get addicted yeah. to it I, I became addicted to voice as soon as I had good voice tech that I could mm. use yeah yeah I became addicted but so I, I like things to be fast <laughs> and yeah. uh, voice is really fast yeah and I'm not very good in this touch keyboard. I was a BlackBerry addict. I oh, love the, the BlackBerry keyboards. <laughs> it was just so great. And you had to look at it, right? I could just do blind typing. Um, but voice assistants. I remember my f very first voice assistant that I used. Oh, no, no. Actually, it was uh, called Dragon Natural Speaking. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was in the late, yeah, yeah. late 80s. Oh, oh, who was yes. that made by? Yes. Wow. Wow, okay. Yes, and this used to do, because Dragon was one of the ones you could dictate to on computers, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. when the first computers came out, they were capable of doing text to voice. Oh my God, look, your computer's talking to you. <laughs> yeah. That was just so mind blowing. And now we live in a world where we can just talk to things. Yeah. I think that's absolutely amazing. And I like, I actually do really enjoy that some, it doesn't, break your flow in the same way that getting yeah. on a screen does. Yeah. I really like that I can, if I'm, you know, in the, in the kitchen and I want to ask a question mm. or I want, to, like I kind of want to Google something, mm. I like that I can ask a voice assistant and get an, a response without picking up a phone and looking down at it and kind of maybe disengaging from the people who are in the room. I actually yeah. really enjoy that. I enjoy that experience of, of a, um, yeah, I just think it's a bit more unbroken using voice. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. And then in the car, as you talked about earlier about safety, I mean, this is just one of the things we talk about with the dresses. I, I mean, if you if you want maybe you're in driving and you change mm. something changes mm. you some your friends phone you and say mm. hey the destination's changed we're going to meet somewhere else mm. we're, we're going to meet at a different restaurant that one was yeah, yeah. and they give you an address that you've got to type in you've got to stop the car Absolutely. stop the car you've got to and like sometimes you might end up on your phone because you think it's faster yeah. or um, you might have to stop the whole thing and and pull over and then type into the nav screen being able to use voices is really important for those kind of situations yeah. where you don't you don't want to have to stop the whole car, especially if you're driving on a motorway. How are you going to stop the car? Mm -hmm. And just being able to, to use your voice to talk to your car easily, to know you're not going to have to put in six lines of data before it understands, you know, well, a few loads of lines of data before it understands where you're actually going. It might not, you know, in, in London, we, you know, if I say take me to Church Road and there are 14 Church Roads, although Mexico City's worse. In Mexico City, <laughs> there are... Um, 632 Juarez streets. Oh, wow. So imagine going to your car, trying to look to go to Juarez Street. That's not going to happen. So, uh, yeah. So, But like all of this, the, the, the idea of, of just being able to say three words and that's it. Yeah. You haven't got to say, you haven't got to say the, you know, the, the street name, the county, the town. The right. You just right. have to say three right. words in your own language and then that works. It's much faster. Much faster. It's actually yeah. even safer in a car. Yeah. 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 Um, plus, on top of it, I really love um, the development in terms of voice recognition. Just in the last five years, I mean, the accuracy is amazing yeah, right it's, now. It's and it's so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw this in the new EQC that we just launched over here in Stockholm, um, how the performance of MBUX also changed uh, towards previous versions. It was already super smooth before that, but now it's just blazingly fast. And also using your, uh, using uh, what three words and three words addresses over there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just so excited to see what you guys have up your sleeves and what, what you're coming up with in the future.
Can you tell us a little bit more about future projects, by the way? Yeah, I is think, there anything? I think the thing to think about is outside of the car. Yeah. So sometimes the car's part of that journey, but it's about thinking about when I'm at home, maybe I, maybe that when, maybe when I'm at home is the, when, the time I want to send my address to my car. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's through something like a voice cool, assistant. Yeah. Maybe it's, um, you know, when it's in my calendar. I wanted to automatically sync the three-word address from my calendar to yeah. my car. What does that look like? And then also, maybe you're like me, you live in a city. And, I mean, honestly, I don't have anywhere to park a car. No. I don't currently own a car in London. And so I use mobility services. So it's also about thinking about those journeys when you don't own a car. What does that look like if you're hiring a car for the weekend? What does it look like if you're using ride-hailing or ride-sharing services? Mm. I'm a big user of ride-sharing mm. services. I, lo- I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly convenient. It also, especially when you go somewhere inter- somewhere abroad, actually ride-sharing can be a fascinating way to meet interesting people. But yeah, this, this for us, I think it's thinking broader than just the car and thinking about what's that whole mobility ecosystem and how are people interacting Sometimes they're going to want to put an address in the car. Sometimes they want to have it automatically syncing. Sometimes they're going to want to do it when they're at home. But either way, at some point, follow that back and someone needs to specify a destination. When you go to a new place, you want to know where you're going. And I think that's big. And then, of course, fast forward a little bit more. Yeah. And you think about autonomy. And this is, I mean, this is one of the things where... Uh, there's an episode of Silicon Valley that makes me laugh, the, the, the TV show, yeah. where uh, one of the guys gets locked in an autonomous vehicle that drives him to the wrong place. And it's so scary for him. And, like, and for me, that, that's, that's one of the problems we're going to have, is if we don't think about how humans are going to interact with these vehicles. Mm-hmm. The vehicles are perfect. The vehicles do exactly what they're meant to do. They look great. They mm-hmm. drive really nicely. They you know, drive you around, and it's all, you know, works wonderfully. But if people don't trust them, that's a real problem with adoption. And so helping people trust that their car is going to take them to the right place without them having to intervene, that's really important. Because right now, if you're driving your own car and you end up on the wrong side of the street, yeah. you keep driving and you look around and eventually, and, and then someone might say to you, oh yeah, just keep going, take another left. That's much more complex when you're not the one driving. So you really need to start to trust it. And people don't trust right now that their taxis are going to collect them from the right place and take them to the right place mm-hmm. right now. And that's with human drivers. So we really need to fix this problem ahead of autonomy. And that's what we're doing, right? That's what we're doing now. We're getting people used to it. They're using three-word addresses. And when autonomy comes, they know that they'll get picked up from the right place and they'll get dropped at the right place. What's up for you is creating a more seamless experience over various platforms that we're using in our life, integrating three words addresses all over different systems, whether it's your voice assistant in your kitchen, on your smartphone or on your computer. And by the way, thank you so much for introducing the last topic of our talk, which is all about mobility. And basically, you you almost answered this question because I wanted to ask you how you would define your personal individual mobility. This is a, it's quite a mix. Yeah, it's a mix. It's really a mix. And it is, it's, it's pretty multimodal sometimes. Yeah. So sometimes what I might do is, um, you know, uh, well, actually, it's not just for me. I mean, I love when my parents come to stay uh, with one of us in London. So me yeah. and my sisters all live in London together and uh, near each other. And my parents might, uh, they might do something like drive to this train station, leave their car, get on a train to London. They might then get on a tube and then they might get on a bus or they might get in an Uber. Yeah. And I love that there's this whole journey of, of different yeah. different ways that people are getting around. So, And that's that's true of me. So I'll... I'll um, often use different modes of transport, but often, mm-hmm. yes, I'll very, very often be using mobility services, whether that's, uh, I don't know, apps like MyTaxi, yeah. whether that's, um, you know, ride-sharing apps, whether yeah. that's, um, you know, when we go away for the weekend, maybe we hire a car. Uh, very, that's very much a part of how I move around, is using these new services. They seem they seem to suit my life very well. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of that's public transport too. 
live in London. I get the tube around. I get buses around. But uh, yeah, it's that for me. It's the having that mix and being able to choose the thing that suits what you're doing. I mean, the way you define your mobility mix is also definitely driven by where you live, right? Yes, I mean, totally, you're in an urban totally, environment. Yes. Same for yes, me. Typing yes. has seven million citizens. Yeah. I would never even. Well, I did that before, which is. Uh, which was quite an adventure, especially for a German to drive in the Taipei traffic. Um, <laughs> a red light is more of an offer over there <laughs> sometimes. And, uh, we have 1.2 million registered scooters, so uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, quite interesting. But I can also see the changes in the cities. Um, by the way, I saw so many little electric scooters here in in Stockholm. I saw how they're spreading out on the west coast yeah. of the US. Yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. over the place right now all these new services are coming up traditional white sharing systems and ecosystems are taking over this idea of the electric scooter um, but we are, we are definitely somehow in terms of mobility at least blessed that we can oh, yeah. live in such an urban environment with all these yeah. opportunities and so much choice yeah. Yeah. yeah so would you agree that the future of mobility is not defined by what you drive but by where you live maybe maybe and that but i think that's also true because you know most people in the world don't live in cities like london and berlin and san francisco They live in cities all over the world and really doing really interesting things with mobility look at india look at cities in india yeah. and how they're thinking about mobility look at grab yeah. in southeast asia how a fascinating company look at gojek in indonesia yeah. like, you know look at the companies in nairobi yeah. i think i love that there are these companies outside of this you know in in europe or in the us sometimes you can feel like you're in a bit of a bubble around mobility and you talk a lot about you know what are the regulations for autonomous right. vehicles right. and you know what does this look like and what is the bus in the future and i really love seeing how so many different companies think about this all over the world in really different contexts and they make their own versions of things with their own tweaks for their own culture. I think that's that's really, really fascinating. Which is quite interesting because, first of all, these countries are not in the focus of the public in the Western world, which is kind of sad sometimes. For example, I mean, their ride-sharing uh, systems um, right now in the US that I've seen in India like 15 years ago. It was just so normal. I mean, the ordinary idea of a tuk-tuk is like a hop-on and hop-off bus system. And they're doing this for decades or maybe at least 50, 60 years or so. I, th I think sometimes we can really learn a lot from these so-called developing countries. Yeah, I, th I think there's so many, so many ways. And, and look, we, I mean, people talk a lot about leapfrogging. Yeah. And how, um, you know, for example, with, with telecommunications, why did they just didn't even bother with the, the old-fashioned uh, telecommunications with scripts straight to mobile phones? And I think that's really interesting. And I think, I mean, if you look at places like Rwanda and what they're doing with drones, yeah, that's really far yeah. ahead from a lot of what... And, and that that's really interesting where you've got this... And, and it, I don't think it is... It is a narrative we, you know... It's an interesting narrative, which is yeah. not just... You know, innovation happens here, and we, we know what innovation looks like here. I think there's innovation all over the world in different ways, and yeah, I, I like watching the kind of leapfrogging, and that's true with voice. It's been really interesting to see voice in some of these emerging markets, and to see and what three words too. I mean, if you, you know, you, we talked earlier about how unusual and interesting this job is. Mongolia was the first country in the world that adopted three-word addresses. Now, three-word addresses are used all over the world in interesting ways. They're on you know the HQ of Deutsche Bahn in Berlin. Three-word address on that window, but you know. Yeah. 
Mongolia had three addresses on its windows. It has that on its bus stops. It's, um, you know, pe people in Mongolia put it on their TripAdvisor page. And this is really fascinating because this is a country that went, this is a great system. They've got a really young population who are really tech savvy and they were able to innovate quickly and they led the way. And I love that story. I love that they've, they've done this leapfrogging thing. And now, you know, lots of other countries are doing the same. It's now, now what through is really all over the world in all kinds of ways. But I really love that, you know, a while ago, Mongolia said, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to innovate, we're going to be the first country in the world to adopt this through our postal system. It's really special. Going back, I mean, first of all, I really, really like the um, the idea about to take a look at what these countries are doing in terms of how they're leapfrogging technologies, how quickly they're developing, and how far ahead they can be. I remember I did a talk about mobile payment 10 years ago, oh, yeah. and I came up with all these examples from Africa, right? Where they were selling, uh, where they could sell goods, like, like, like a Maasai warrior in the middle of nowhere was able to sell a, good over, a goat over his phone and um, he just got um, some free minutes on on, on, oh, wow. on his prepaid card, or that that the smallest device uh, was basically a SIM card, and then they had um, just kind of service cars going through the desert, and they were just offering phones, right? And they only got the SIM card, and so they were just renting out phones with them, or they gave them the opportunity to charge their phones. It is, sometimes I think it's, for some innovations, it's actually crucial that somehow you're a little bit limited. It helps you to become more creative and more uh, innovative, would you think so? Yeah, yeah, I totally think so. I totally agree. And it's, it is really, really interesting to see. Um, there's a, a great company that, that we met recently who um, is doing things around linking up informal transport and mm. formal transport. Because mm. if you look at some of these really big cities, for example, in sub-Saharan Africa, um, you know, they, they're trying to make sure that the informal things, which might be tuk-tuk, uh, might be something mm. similar to that, um, and then linking that in with once you're in the city, how can you, how can you link up those? Because th they exist already. Yeah, they exist yeah. already and people are using them. So how can you make them more efficient? And how can you, and, you know, loads of questions like that that you just don't have in smaller cities or in some Western cities, and it's it's really really interesting seeing how they link those up and how they think about them, and loads of lessons that we can learn technologically, and replicate and change and use them in our own ways. I think part of the success story, just to come back to what three words uh, in the end of this podcast is, is the ease of use. Right? There are not any obstacles for me. I don't need to learn a new language. I don't need to get through the FAQs to understand what you're doing. How important is it to have a kind of, um, I wouldn't say barrier-free, um, but usability in general to get a new product, a new process. This is a new process of how we look at uh, navigation into the market. Yeah, when I mean, you're trying to do behavior change, it needs to yeah. be easy for everyone to change. You know, you need to make it really, really easy. And that's actually one of the reasons we work so hard on our languages. So we have an incredible language team and each language has so much care and attention. And so we have a language team in the office in London, but they work with hundreds of linguists around the world. And sometimes they go see them. So we just, um, we've just been working on Chinese recently and they had linguists um, in China that they went and spent time with. But that's so much attention goes into how we create the word lists. So each, each language is totally unique, so they're not translations. And that's really important because you talked about usability. Well, it's really important that if I speak uh, Arabic, for example, that the common 
words are in places where people speak Arabic. Yeah. So if you look at English, for example, then uh, common words like apple, spoon, banana mm-hmm. will be in places like London or New yeah. York or DC. If you speak, uh, if, if you go to the middle of nowhere, say the middle of Siberia, the words will be longer. So you might get words like overwhelming or uh, dinosaurs or I don't know, some long, long, less common words. Maybe dinosaurs is a common one, but l- uh, less common words. And that's really important. So in each language, you do the same. So in Swahili, you make sure that the common words are in East Africa because that's where people live who are going to use it. So that's one of the things that's been really critical to us. And now we're at 26 languages, a few more about to launch. And yeah, that's, that's important because if you're going to create a universal system, just to be universal, it has to be that people can access it in a language where they speak French or Portuguese or Spanish mm. or German. Last but not least, as a successful businesswoman, entrepreneur, because you're still working in a startup, and I still think everyone who works in a startup is somehow often, at least somewhat of an entrepreneur. What would you recommend someone at the age of 21, 22 in these days, considering what they want to do after university, or maybe even considering what they should learn at university? Um, What's, what's, what's your main recommendation in general to the younger generation? I think, well, just on my experience, it would be do something that you love. Do something that you love because I had no idea where my career would go. I still have no idea. And I have basically just done things that were interesting and fun and hard yeah. and things that I loved. And that ended up here, which I love. And so I think do something that you love and the rest it will work itself out. I think more than ever, we, when we look to hire people, we, it's, it's a great thing to us when someone has an unusual career journey and they tell us how they moved or what they learned and what they changed their mind about. And so I think you don't have to career plan in the way that maybe you used to. I think do the thing that you love and then do another thing that you love and then do another thing that you love and somehow it, it, it works out and you end up having you know, work-life balance, which involves sometimes a lot of work and sometimes a lot of life and sometimes a mix. And you're absolutely doing what you love. Absolutely doing what I love. Claire, thank you so much for joining us over here. And if you guys want to get to know more about Claire Jones and what three words you can easily head over to their website, what3words.com. And they find you on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Instagram. We're You're everywhere. all over the <laughs> yes, place. So um, give it a try and thank check you. it out. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. this was Headlights, our Daimler podcast. And if you like what you heard, subscribe and leave us a like or a comment. And of course, we hope you guys join us in our next episode as well, when we talk to Leslie Kilgore. She's the Vice President of Engineering at Thomas Built Buses in High Point, North Carolina. You will find our next episode of Headlights right here in two weeks. And if you want to get to know more about the interesting jobs we offer at Daimler, please go to daimler.com career.